pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon. If you're listening to this on uh, the internet, you're listening to One Life Left. If you're at the Game Development Conference on Wednesday, you are currently walking past One Life Left. <laughs> uh, we're broadcasting live from the show floor. My name's Simon Byron. My name is Steve Curran. There's a lot of people wandering across. Walking oh. past, yes. Wonder, what do you wonder, think they've just done? They must have seen something amazing. Heads are up, eyes are sparkling. <laughs> Drunk on knowledge. So, um, <laughs> did you have a good day yesterday? I had a fantastic day. I thought the show went really, really well. Did you? Okay, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, no, we, we, we had loads of wonderful guests. We've got more lined up for today. Fantastic. I uh, had a lovely, lovely evening as well. Uh, nice, nice time. Not hungover today, no hot flushes. <laughs> good news. Uh, we're also joined by Cara Ellison. Hello, how are you, Simon? Good, thank you. How are you, Cara? I'm okay. What, what? I... I, I, last night I didn't, I you know I, I, I didn't really do anything very interesting. So I thought I would make up the fact that like I went out all over the town. I, I did four kinds of karaoke. I had a really good time. I'm really hungover this morning. So uh, I hope you are uh, also very hungover. Uh, and we're not joined by uh, Chris Graft today. Uh, we're joined by another. Well, somebody who's playing Chris. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Hey, uh, thanks for having me, gentlemen. Uh, I am effectively uh, Chris Graf Shadow, uh, Alex from Gamma Sutra, and uh, I'll do my best to be Chris. Now, Chris, Chris is slowly understanding how radio works. He understands now that it's not a visual medium and he can't just gesture. Uh, what do you expect to be able to do above and beyond Chris Graft? Well, I'd hope to have a full soundboard here, and I'm sort of depressed uh, that I can't just... Uh, hi there. Uh. <laughs> just to explain, um, a man just approached the desk, singled out one of the presenters, blew them a kiss, and wandered off. That's Rob Dubbin. Rob Dubbin uh, used to write the uh, Colbert Report and uh, also makes Twitter bots. Nice. Why was he blowing you a kiss? Because he loves me and I'm very awesome, and you should all blow me kisses. Fair enough. Okay, uh, we should crack on with our show and introduce our first two guests, shouldn't we? Hello, thank you so much for joining us. Could you introduce yourselves to our listeners, please? 
Hi, my name is Jory Prum. I have a recording studio in the San Francisco area called Studio Jory, and also based in Oslo, Norway. Hi there, I'm uh, Cliff Harris. Everyone calls me Cliffski for some reason. Um, I'm basically Positech Games. I'm the gratuitous space battles guy. You say for some reason. Surely you have looked into this at some point. Well, <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, really? Can't. <laughs> I've been called it for so long, I have no idea why. Okay, you're, you're, um, you, you're talking at the conference, aren't you? Um, I've done eight... Well, I, I did the soapbox thing yesterday. Okay. Um, and I'm doing a thing on leaving AAA and going indie. So what happens at the soapbox thing? Um, well, people like me get incredibly nervous about doing it and are almost sick and okay. like hate it um, because I was ninth on out of ten. So most of the time I'm just sat there um, nervously on stage wondering why on earth I signed up to do it. Um, and then there's this huge euphoria that I did it and I didn't completely embarrass myself. What, w- what were you having to do? What was making you so nervous? Were you saying something controversial? Well, I thought, it, I thought everybody was doing that, but it turned out, no, that was just me. <laughs> what did you talk about then? Um, my talk was called uh, Fuck Unity and the Horse It Rode In On. Right, <laughs> nice. Which I, I thought was like one of the mill for the soapbox thing, but it turns out, no, no, I was the, the sort of grouch. So. Wow, so what was the, what was the, uh, what was the gist of it? Why, <laughs> why should we fuck Unity? It, no, it's mostly the horse. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was kind of like moaning about middleware and the fact that everybody uses it now and like, um, the default advice is use this engine or use that engine. So none of us know how engines work anymore um, as coders. You know, they're just like magical boxes that we buy or license. Um, and none of us really know how they work unless you're really old school like me and like you coded your own and I just think that we sort of miss out on that now it's kind of become too just using the work of others and not really understanding um, how to do stuff and I miss that so you know I thought I'd put it non-controversially by just by using the F word yeah (laughs) well I thought that was normal I thought that was like you know and what was the what was the reaction um a little bit of booing. <gasps> From people in Unity t-shirts. Exactly. Uh, no, I have no idea. Um, a few gasps okay. um, and some cheering and lots of mentions on Twitter. <laughs> so, you know, mission accomplished. Really. Jory, what is the most controversial thing you have done at the conference so far? Shown up? <laughs> I, I don't know I've done anything controversial at the, at the conference. Can you start uh, now? Uh, uh, sure. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> It's a difficult ask. Wow, how do we put on the spot in five seconds or less? Um, so uh, what, have you, what have you been doing at the show if you've been uh, not caught in Mostly I've just been telling people about cool games I've been working on, like, uh, like Norwegian game industry stuff, like Among the Sleep and Shiftlings and Shadow Puppeteer. And, yeah. I'm a sound guy, so I, I don't really do controversial things. I go and make people's games sound good. Okay. Hopefully. But you said you, uh, you were remixing the orchestral soundtrack for Grim Fandango, is that correct? I did, yeah. And I recovered all the, all the uh, archived assets so they could actually do all the audio on you the You recovered remaster. all the archived stuff? So yeah. you were basically going through the original, all of the original like, libraries of things? I had, to, I had to actually find a way to read all the old DLT tapes from 1998 and recover wow. them on, a, on an ancient Mac with Retrospect 6 and the Advanced Driver Kit and then 
get them all over to Peter McConnell and the rest of the uh, the folks at Double Fine. Did you feel a little bit like a kind of video game archaeologist, like looking yes. through all these like Grim Fandango <laughs> tapes? And it was cool. I actually took a picture of all the tapes. I have a stack of DLT drives now. I had one. Now I have three. Uh, wow. One one of which doesn't work at all. Um, and it, what was cool is I started at LucasArts just after Grimm shipped. Right. So it was, I, I knew I had missed something really, really cool back then. Yeah. And it was like, oh, all these years. I even got a call from Matt Hansen be- when they were first starting. He was the executive producer on Grimm Remastered saying, hey, we're going to be doing commentary. You should come down for that because you worked on it, right? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> But now I did, so it's even But what about the original soundtrack? It's it's just so beautiful and emotive. And it it really, I feel like that soundtrack really embodies kind of the wonderment that I really like about video games in general. And it's just got this beautiful, like, it's just very uh, gentle and delicate. It's Peter McConnell at his best. Yes. And even cooler is that Peter did a talk yesterday at the audio boot camp. And part of his talk was about old technology and, and what it can influence on the modern era of sound and how classic games really influence. And I've spent the last week playing with iMuse and trying to compile things in macOS 9 with ThinkC from 20 years ago. It's, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> playing with ancient iMused code that I never had before. It must be fun. It is really cool. I love, I love my work. So Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So today's been the first uh, full day of the show. The conference, uh, the exhibition floor has been open. Um, have you had a chance to pick up on any of the any specific themes of GDC this year? That are specific it's to 2015? It's, Sorry? Re- it's really big. It is big, isn't <laughs> I, it? I, I hear that there's a theme about unity or, or okay. not liking unity. Or <laughs> being controversial about unity. I, I think the, the theme is that it's just huge. Right. I, I couldn't find my way out <laughs> earlier on. I, that's why I got here just in time. I was like, trying to build up escape velocity, going around and around, trying to find the exit. I can't believe how big the whole event is, to be honest. I was, getting, um, I was taking a cab uh, here uh, earlier today, and the taxi driver said that um, she's been driving in San Francisco for years, and she's seen the audience change. Uh, she said that there, when, it, when it first arrived, there were no women, she said. Yeah. Now it's men. Now it's men in. Uh, she sees much more men in suits. She says there's a lot of money in games. Apparently, so that that is so true. There's so many companies that you see like on the expo floor, and and there's a company that I mean I'm not criticising or supporting the company, of course, but there is a company there that I see just handles your like age um, verification requirements mm. for mobile games, and I think that's obviously a big enough thing to employ half a dozen people. That's just nuts, you know? I, I can't believe that the industry is so big that there's, there's room for that. I, I would say, going back to your, your topic of the, the, uh, the soapbox from yesterday, though, the upside of having a simple game engine that people can use is that we end up with people who wouldn't have been able to make games before oh, who yeah. suddenly are making amazingly cool things. Yeah, yeah. So there's I, upsides I, and downsides to everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't r- really genuinely think that everyone at Unity should hang their head in shame and like go no. you know, go do a proper job and something constructive. They, they, not, sh- they should put I in didn't a good audio engine. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thanks very much guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of your show. Hello, welcome back to One Life Left, live from GDC floor and we've got uh, Simon Byron and Steve Curran. Hey, Kara, you having a nice time? Ah, yes, I'm having a pretty good 
good time. Because this is all about you. Yes, it is. It is all about me. It's, it's not. Game, it's, game, it's game developers, Cara. That's what it is. <laughs> it's all about our brilliant guests, and we've got another two who've joined us for well, Life Left at GDC. We've also got an Alex from uh, from Gamma Sutra as well. You know. Hey, Cara. Thanks for having me on your show. I didn't forget about you. This is the best show. It is the best show. Yes, we do have two guests. Um, please introduce yourself, lovely guests. Uh, my name is Ken Wong. I'm from Us Two Games, and uh, we made a game called Monument Valley, which is uh, which has done pretty well. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is Rob Manuel. I'm from uh, USC uh, Games. Uh, I also work with uh, the Indie Mega Booth. I'm also in the Indie Mega Cast as well as I write articles for various publications. Nice. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you've seen at the show so, so far. Oh, man, there's so much to actually see at the show. Uh, I've been really pushing everyone to go see the, uh, the dog sniffing game. Dog sniffing game? Yeah, the dog sniffing game. So there's, there's a... Does there, it have a name, or is that the name of the game? No, I think that's pretty much like half the name of the game. I'm, I'm sure there's Dog Sniffing Game Plus or Super or N64 is attached to the end of it. But is this uh, is this butt sniffing? Yes, butt? it is. The, it is the butt sniffing. I like game. that you are too much of a gentleman to say the word butt. Look, I, I don't want to not. I mean, everyone should really ex- experience this game because it's more than just butts. Okay, and sniffing, <laughs> even though it's a large part of the game. So I how feel, can I experience? Uh, it? You experience the game by it has a. Jeez, um, little feedback. Uh, it has a experience by you roll a tennis ball, a giant tennis ball, in order to move your pug around this playground where it gets to play with other pugs and other dogs in there. But if you want to interact with anyone, you have to smell their butts. And what you have underneath the giant tennis ball is actually a plush dog butt just waiting there for you. And what you have to do is you have to bury, to nuzzle, to (laughs) caress it with your own face. And it is a delightful and uh, an experience that I would say everyone must share and share alike. Well, I I think it speaks volumes about uh, the diversity of video games and that there are people walking past at the moment that did not hear the start of what you were just saying and just walk past and you're encouraging people to sniff butts. Oh, sniff butts. No one stopped or batted an eyelid. No, no, no. no. I'm I'm sure they've been sniffing bots all day long. But but the thing (laughs) is, like, it's it's such, like, a really, like, interesting way of, like, interacting with uh, uh, the the video game, as it were, going into it. And I, I really... I really appreciate anything that makes you sort of have to do something outside the realm of, like, the TV or the screen and actually to sort of, like, participate with the game itself. Ken, did you you also find any new interesting games to play? Um, I haven't, actually. Um, I'm a bit like like Kara. I like to roam the world making games, and so I've been taking GDC to just catch up with friends from different countries. you know, I'm from originally from Australia, so I have a lot of Australian dev friends. I used to work in China, so there's that crowd. And even in the UK, you know, I didn't get out of London much, so I've just been catching up with people. I haven't actually seen anything of, of GDC itself, so maybe I'm doing it wrong. But nah. it, you know. <laughs> GDC is all about the really cool parties and the socializing with people that you don't normally get to see. And I guess like a part of that is like exchanging cool ideas about designs that you've had and like ideas that you've had. So I feel like that's probably my favorite part of GDC. Yeah, I'm I'm looking really forward to going to IGF tonight because I think you know that's 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 at the forefront of like cool ideas. That's that's where we're gonna. That's the future of games. I think. I think there's this. Something I talk about is like there's a tradition of making games of of like of what people perceive video games are and who they're for, and 
the real indie games are the ones who, who blow that out of the water and, and try to, to, to always reinvent and reinterrogate what games are. And, and that's, that really excites me. Is there anything in the IGF this year that you feel like you're really excited about? Uh, again, I haven't really done my research. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go in blind and, and just be surprised. But, you know, I had, a, I had a, quick, a very quick look on the expert floor. And, like, literally every game was, was beautiful or interesting and it had something to say. So, you know, I don't pick favorites. I'm just, I'm, I'm just excited for the whole scene. I know that uh, Nina Freeman has a game in the IGF uh, called How Do You Do It? Uh, uh, yeah, she it's has for a, the Nouveau Awards. Yeah, and uh, she has a similar hair color to you, Ken, which is kind of groovy. I, I, would, I would assume that in the world right now, there is a very high, the highest concentration of pink hair, you know, and at the Moscone Center right now. I, th I think so, too. It's I, a good I, color. And, you know, actually, I was asked earlier today, like, why pink? Why, why did I dye my hair pink? And... Uh, my theory is, it's kind of subconscious, but I think that pink being a traditional girl's color, for a guy to wear pink, it's kind of deconstructing masculinity, you know? Nice. Like Drake, the rapper Drake. Have sure. you heard I, of the, the um, rapper have, Drake? He's very be, important. To be honest, I've heard of Drake through following you on Twitter. Okay. Good, that's my good. Drake experience. Good. Uh, that's nice. I've never heard of Drake. What should I know about Drake? Uh, Drake is a rapper who deconstructs masculinity. So, Ken, uh, you mentioned the award <laughs> show tonight. Like, you guys are, are up for something, right? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, on, on Monday, we won two awards at the Pocket Gamer Awards. Last night, we won the grand prize at, at the IMGAs. And tonight, we're up for the GDC Awards, which is, that's pretty amazing. So, are you, like, how does that feel going into a show like this, knowing that you may have to get up or not get up? Like, are you nervous at all? I didn't realize you already won a couple things. So maybe not. This is old hat for you. It's um, I don't know. I'm just I'm literally taking this week one day at a time, and then I'm taking each day one hour at a time. So I'm not even. I was just worried about getting to this location, and and uh, you know, to be honest, like what makes me most well, this is my game. <laughs> uh, what you know, it just makes me nervous, like meeting the the people that I really look up to. Like I I really love Kara's writing and. You work at Gama Sutra, and I learned so much from, from reading articles on, on Gama. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm just nervous all the time, basically. I'm, I'm starstruck by everyone at GDC. Well, you don't look it. Is there a particular game maybe like, like la that happened last year that you have been very interested about or like have pushed upon like other people? Like Maybe it is oh, yeah. like an IGF game or something. Uh, I, I fell in love with Desert Golfing. Desert Golfing. Yeah. Uh, I, I was asked... You know, before uh, at, at GCAP in Australia to, to talk about art in games, you know, because I guess sometimes I make beautiful games. And I said, like, well, I think that desert golfing is, a, is, a, is an example of, of video game art. I think it's the construction of it, the form of it, is so elegant and, and so different from a lot of other game experiences. And, and it, it's not obvious because it's not, it's not necessarily visual beauty or visual art. It's, it's what games do well. It's, it's how you interact with it that is, that is beautiful and moving and interesting. So, yeah, I, if anybody out there hasn't checked out Desert Golfing, I highly recommend it. It is, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's both simple as well as complex at the same time. It is it's both forgiving and unforgiving in a way because... Just, just like me. Just like you. <laughs> uh, where uh, basically you, you are golfing in a desert but there's no like you can easily like knock your ball to the other side of it and have to start over again and you have a running tally of how many swings you've gone through 
uh, while playing the game, like at the very top of it. That seems like a very uh, academic assessment. Well, I am from academia, so yes. But yes, uh, going into it, I mean, it, it does it has like there's a feel to it. There's there's Sorry, like I didn't, I didn't mean that like in a negative sense. I mean like it's actually I, I think it's awesome to have an academic perspective. I think that's one of the the many like growth vectors in our industry where. Let's let's talk about games more. Let's study games more and figure out how they work. You know. I mean, I mean, that's that's what we I we I have like a hundred kids right now doing that right right this minute. But it, it it's 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 really interesting. It's really we've we've come to a place now that you can talk about games in an academic sort of sense. That you can sort of talk about the the themes as well as how it works, how it feels. In sort of a sense, more than just like games as commercial development. I mean, but do you, do you, I mean, it feels to me that there's still a lot of work to do. I, I oh, mean, yes, of course. I mean, the feeling that I got from the last year, um, you know, <laughs> not, not to name any particular uh, groups or, groups or big individuals. But I, I mean, yes. I feel like we're, not very, we're still not very good at, at talking about games. We're, we're, we're not. Like, people don't see eye to eye. They're not having very good discussions. It's, it's very black and it's, white. We're, I mean, video games are still such a new art form going into it. We just don't have the vocabulary to really talk about and respect it. I mean, we can talk about films all we want to, and, we, and people sort of understand, like, cameras and lights and, like, actors and things like that. But when you talk about video games to people, they seem to think that it's come from Keebler elves and there's magic and, like, who knows what actually goes into it. And they don't understand, that, like, regular people... Even people who have very little background within computer science can make and develop some amazing games or tell some amazing stories out there. Something, something that I talk about a lot is that our industry was named incorrectly. And that what we, what we make is not best described as games, but as digital interactive experiences. Right. Uh, and it's, uh, that's clumsy. It's, it's really hard to say that. And maybe we're going to be stuck with the term games all the time. I think the debate of whether something is or isn't a game is, is really not very useful. Right. And, and, and I mean, if anyone's listening, I, you know, the one thing I, the, to take away, I think, is that there's, there's so much more that we can create that are outside of what traditional games might be of like, you know, is it skill-based or is it something that you can win or is it, is it challenging? I, you know, I, I'm part of the indie games that, you know, some of the indie games that I'm most excited about are, are things that, that question that and... and are trying to explore more experiences like butt-sniffing, right? <laughs> it's true. We don't have enough butt-sniffing within our lives going into it. But I'm also interested in games that are looking into, like, new narratives that are... I mean, That Dragon Cancer, I think, is one of the, one of the strongest games that, you know, I've sort of experienced. And it's not even completely finished. But going through that game and sort of seeing... Uh, the life of someone who lived and like the experiences going into it is is such such a strong effect that uh, I think it, it's going to be a game that I'm going to force on so many people as soon as I it comes out. That's a really interesting game as well, simply because it's actually. Um emotionally difficult to play. Oh, completely. And usually we think about games being, when they're difficult, difficult to play, we think of them as being like, you know, a skill-based, like it's, as you say, it's like it's hard to win, but actually that's not the problem with that dragon cancer. Right. It's actually very difficult to play because emotionally speaking, it's like rough on you and it's, you know, it's very, very hard to, you know, to get through that game simply because it's so, so emotionally potent. And that's, and that's one of the mo- remarkable things about that game is that, with graphics, with sound, with 
just how things come together that you can be so emotionally invested in something so quickly within a game that you can actually feel it. That you actually stop playing a game because it makes you sad. And like we haven't made those games before. Or we haven't been really exploring that because we didn't for a long time we didn't feel like people wanted that or people could tell those kinds of stories in video games. So the uh, the view from the One Life Left desk which again is at the foot of the escalators in the North Hall is of the show floor and it's calmed down a little hasn't it Simon? It has. Uh, I think people have hurried to their talks. There's a man who's running a little late there. Uh, just checked his phone. I think he's... Uh, dashing into one of the halls in 130. Who knows what? You could be seeing anything. The programme is so diverse. We can see a few different halls from where we are. We can see rooms 110 to 122. We can see the uh, toilets. A man just jog- jogging. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> jogging out of the toilets. Um, I, I haven't got round to uh, preparing them at the material that we need for whose feet are these, which we mentioned yesterday on the podcast. But um, uh, that leads us to our latest guest, who um, was... Uh, well, we were talking to our previous two guests. Uh, he came up, he waved, and then he did a sort of mime. I, I didn't quite understand, but that evidently meant you were, you were nipping to the toilet. That's correct. It was quite a sweeping gesture. Yeah, I was pretending to grapple a large, out-of-control <laughs> snake, as if I was a very masculine individual. Because at first, was I wasn't I sure what you would... And then you went, oh, OK, right. He must really need that, I thought. <laughs> anyway, I, I uh, please, uh, please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, my name's Gordon. I'm head of everything at Different Cloth, because there's only one of me. And I'm making a game called Drive, Drive, Drive at the moment, which welcome. you're very excited about. I'm very excited. Now, um, you've been on One Life Left before. Um, yes, Welcome back. Um, you've, now, since then, you remain head of everything, so yep. congratulations on that. But you've got some new business cards, yep. the significance of which I do not believe Cara and, and Alex no, have... Cara's been very dismissive. just left it on the desk like it's any old business card, but it's... it's Genuine, high-quality thickness, pink in the middle. I mean, obviously, uh, at GDC, as we've mentioned, is a massive uh, conference. It's all about standing out. And yeah. Standing out, um, and you've got your signature hat. hat. I've got some red shoes. I've got pink business cards. What more do you want? I should be owning this. Cara, talk us, through your, talk us through, through your thoughts on uh, Gordon's it's, business card. It's very thick, isn't mm. it? It's a very thick piece of card. It's very sturdy. Yeah, very sturdy. resilient. Mm. It's, it's got a, like a nice pink myself. stripe. It has a colour running through it, yeah. like I do. Ah, Ah, I see. Uh, here, hidden um, beyond the, the the gaze of the casual observer, there's like a pink, right. pink middle layer. Now, mm-hmm. Gordon, yeah. I I used I've got one of those as well. <laughs> I used to be a uh, a printer. Really? Um, Why did you give up a worthwhile job? <laughs> well, well, I have to say, I've looked at your cards, and uh, so are they three 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 pieces stuck together? I don't I don't know the ins and outs of it. They're just. You just, thought, you just thought they look nice. Yeah. I'll have them. So what are you doing at GDC that requires such uh, prestigious cards? Uh, I am trying to get people to pay for me to uh, build my game, my driving game. So okay. I'm, I'm looking for funding for it. Are you? Yeah. So wait, your, your game is called Drive, Drive, Drive? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. What do you do in it? <laughs> you, you drive three times. You race multiple tracks at the same time. That's, that's the premise. At the same time? At the same time, I know. So it's, it's not just a clever name. It's, it's clever in every respect. Okay. Yeah, so you, you have to, like, manage any number of tracks and flip between them and try and win all three or six tracks at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all right, okay. What happens if you slip up? Do you just crash, crash, crash? You can crash, 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 yeah, or you can crash, crash, and then win, you know. Okay. So, so uh, I, I have to ask, um, since we're here discussing 
uh, you know, the latest and greatest in game development technology. Uh -huh. uh, do you think Drive, Drive, Drive will come to VR anytime soon? Are you planning a full VR no. experience? Not really, no. So where do you hope to bring it to? What, sorry, what? What are you building it for? Oh, uh, console. Hopefully one of the console makers will be interested. And So when you describe a game like that, the first thing that I think of is uh, how am I going to drive, drive, drive? Like how, how am I going to control, like how do, you, how do you design that game to make it work for somebody who's just sitting down to play it for the first time? It's obviously a challenge, uh, but I want to do something fresh, something original, something that's not been done before in quite a stale genre. Mm -hmm. So, and I think with the quality of independent games, all games out there, the bar is higher and higher. So to get stand out, you've got to do something that looks beautiful, has a crazy concept and works. So it's quite easy, really. What inspired the concept of the game? Like, why weren't you just satisfied with driving? I'm, I'm, I'm always pushing myself to, to better, higher goals. So it's just a, an idea that I had, and I prototyped it and kept going and then refined it. And then now here I am today, king of the world. So how, is, how have your meetings gone so far? Superbly. Yes. <laughs> I was in all of them, so. I, you'd have to ask the other parties. I always think it goes well. Can you, can you uh, run through them for us then? What, all of them? Yeah. Is this an hour and a half show? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Uh, no, hello, so, how are you doing? Here's the game. Oh, that looks great. Can I give you one money? Yes, you can. Here's my email address. I'll send you That's what happened. No, so so um, it's, it, it's, it's a big show. Are there, are there many people out there that are, are look, looking for content? I think so. I think um, they're console. Yeah, uh, Sony and Microsoft are looking for fresh content, I think, because as we know, PS4, Xbox One, the stuff on there is not very interesting. I mean, there's a lot of remastered stuff, isn't there? There are some small indie stuff, particularly on Sony's platform. But I think everyone's looking for something fresh, something original. After an era of like, de-risking from the big publishers, you know, with the remasters and everything, there's not a lot of risk going on. Hopefully now, I'm spearheading a new wave of risk-taking. Gordon, I get the impression this isn't your first GDC. Is that true? Uh, it's my third. Your oh, impression so is entirely correct. Oh. Uh, well, so good work. <laughs> I, want, I, I wonder how has the show changed for you in the last couple of years? Like, how have you noticed it change? I've definitely noticed I'm a bit older than I was uh, before. You don't Is look it, it. You look uh, younger, in fact. You don't know. You didn't see me that before. How do you know? Uh, uh, how, has, how has it changed? I'm not sure. It's not quite as busy this year, is it? Doesn't seem as manic. It seems that way, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, I certainly noticed, like, maybe the sec second time I went to GDC that, the, like, the, to the line for the women's toilet got much longer, which is very inconvenient. I oh. like, at all times, to be the only woman in the room. Therefore, I can get to the, to the toilet, toilet quicker. Well, I just, I just feel like, you know, I don't really like the line being long in the women's toilets. Just, Fair enough. Have you been to the gender-neutral toilets? I haven't been to the gender-neutral toilets. Is it I, good? I, it's excellent. What happened is, I, I went to the gender neutral toilets, and one of them is obviously like a man's toilet with urinals and stuff. Yeah. So I went in there, and it, then I came out, was a bit too shy for that. And then I went right. into the old lady's gender neutral toilet, and there was a lady that came in, and I let her go first. But then I thought, should I do that? In a gender neutral toilet? Is that right? I, d I don't know. What are the politics of gender neutral toilets? I'm not I sure. I feel it's just politeness, isn't it? Yeah, I, I was mean, polite I, too. Yeah, I think it's just politeness. But was I, I polite based polite. on gender or based on gender? If it was a guy, I wouldn't have let him go first. Why not? You should do that. I, I feel know. like I would do that. That's okay, really I would like guys do it. Well, if I, I see you in the gender neutral toilets, I expect okay. to skip in front. Yes, you can I, indeed. Sweet. See there. <laughs> I feel like chivalry is dead in the gender neutral toilet. But no, it's not because range. I displayed it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I didn't display it in the urinal toilet, but I displayed chivalry in the other toilet. Uh, I had a similar experience in the gender neutral restrooms, which are, uh -huh. I think, a new thing this year at GDC. Uh, it's cool. I'm all for it. It's just maybe they need to get rid of the urinals because yeah. that's not really because lady. Well, I won't go there. <laughs> I, I think they're fantastic, but they take some getting used to. Like, uh, I definitely had a couple moments where I would walk in or walk out, and then I would see 
uh, someone else, uh, perhaps of a different gender, and I just immediately scampered out like a school child, like I was very confused yeah, about yeah, what was going on. You're a man after my own heart, shy. I feel like maybe uh, I should use the urinals in the gender neutral toilet. I are there are there urinals in the gender neutral? Yes, toilets? there are. Yes. Oh, because I haven't really modified them from a boys and girls toilet, so uh, I have not seen those. Maybe they'll throw me out if I do that. I don't think no. I, I know. Maybe. You are, right. li- you are listening to One Life Left, a radio show about video games. And toilets. Uh, and, and toilets. And gender neutral toilets. Gordon, thank you so much for coming back on the no, show. Always welcome. Uh, enjoy the rest of the show and uh, keep us posted on your... Uh... Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Right, cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Welcome back to One Life Left at GDC. Alex was going to introduce that bit. I'm sorry, I was, I was away. Okay. I didn't understand, didn't get the memo. You did it better Alex, anyway. do you, no, why don't you try? Are you sure? Yeah, go for All it. Right. Welcome back to One Life Left at GDC 2015. I'm joined by Steve and uh, Steve Byron. How was your break, boys? He, he did do that really well, apart from well. maybe the names. What did you call us? Did Steve say- and Steve? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, we could be, and actually, we we're British, be. so we're too polite to correct you. Yes. I'm just going to reprint all of my business cards. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so talking of sort of housekeeping and stuff, you know, it's that um, Ken uh, from us two. He was like, "Oh, yeah, it's great being here," you know, because I love Kara's words and I love Gamma Sutra. Sure. And then just looked at us blankly. I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm having a nice also, time. I like the way you've given, given it like 20 minutes for him to get 20 minutes away before you, <laughs> <I'm brave laughs> before you bring that up. <laughs> anyway, new guest, Kerry. Hi, welcome to One Life Left. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for coming on today, even though you're actually on tomorrow. Thank though you. Though I told you it was definitely today. Yes, you did. So this is kind of on me. Um, Kerry, why, why are you at GDC? What are you doing here? I'm here because a game I made last year, Heartwood, is being exhibited as part of the Mild Rumpus. Um, That's available to play in Moscone West, and I'm going to be giving a talk about it in about an hour. Wow. Can you tell the panel about Heartwood? Sure. It's a short audio-visual exploration game set in a forest, and it's sort of got mythical qualities it's sort of like a theme park ride it's sort of like installation art it's uh, it's a mood piece that's what it is um i've played it and i think it's really excellent Thank um you. i am biased though because we know each other and i slept in your bed one time for like maybe three or four months um and we both uh, did a lot of uh, listening to radio four so yeah so but i i really like it because it's really really it's got a really interesting mood and I feel like I like games the most when they spend a lot of time on like mood and atmosphere. Can you tell me like how you kind of fiddled around with that to make that work? Yeah. Um, I mean, the game took about a week to prototype and about a year to finish, and the vast majority of that time was editing and polishing. We got the mechanics down super quickly, but the atmosphere was what really took the time. Um, and what I'm going to be speaking about later today is creating a sense of place that feels uncanny, that feels at once familiar and unfamiliar, so making some things feel very realistic and embedded in the real world, like the way you treat the sounds, um, the footsteps have to sound good and crunchy like you're in a real forest, and then using really wild colour palettes or strange visual effects to then disconcert the player and make it feel real and unreal. Yeah, because the, uh, the sky is purple, right, in your game? Or- yeah. 
purple. I mean, pink. that actually happens sometimes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's really nice because <laughs> the sort of silhouette of the of the trees, like over the purple skies, is mm. really striking and like really beautiful. Um, did you develop? You developed it for Oculus. Did, did you? Uh, yeah. Yes, but I, I never actually finished that version. It's, um, it oh. should be out in a month or so. Okay. Um, I, I, I was waiting to do it on Oculus DK2, and then when that first came out, it had a problem rendering the color black properly, and I would say 80% of the game is the color black, so... Right, okay. Well, never mind. I'm sure it'll come out <laughs> soon, and it'll have less problems with the color black. Um, but yes... Um, so, how, what is this your first GDC? Have you been? This is my first GDC. Um, I'm wearing the first visit badge that I got at Disneyland a couple of days ago <laughs> because people seemed so delighted when I wore that at Disneyland. <laughs> they went to great lengths to make me feel comfortable and welcome. Um, oh, that's aces and your ring too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so far, the badge doesn't seem to work quite the same way at GDC. Like Mary Poppins hasn't been paying special no. attention to me. But well, I mean, I know that you went to. Um, Disneyland like a few days ago and you also mentioned that you know there's a kind of really interesting kind of uh, way of designing games around kind of theme park mm. kind of mentality like do you think that going to theme parks and, and uh, do you think that like theme parks have something in common with games in general in that way I, I do I think these designed spaces have a great deal in common or can have a great deal in common and I've read a lot about theme park design and studied theme park design a lot. And in the way I create worlds, that's, yeah, that's a big consideration. And I'm going to talk to my accountant about this to be on the safe side, but I'm pretty sure I can expense my Tax ticket to deductible. Yeah, nice. as a result of this thinking. Nice. <laughs> um, so, like, when you, when you think about... Um, like theme, theme park design and stuff is there anything for example that you picked up from Disneyland that you thought oh man that would make a super great game if I made like an en- environment like that in Unity and like could explore it I think actually it's more um, it, it's more that you can get inspired by the techniques they use like sort of never seeing the back of things or the way that they might have paths that curve to make the most of a tiny amount of space that feels large there's lots of little tips like that that people learn to make something the size of a car park feel like a magical kingdom that you can use to design interesting compelling spaces yeah um, is there anything that you think that would like do really terribly uh, in like a game that exists in Disney? Like for example, people people you know tend to dress up in furry costumes at Disneyland, and I often wonder if that's really a good idea because I feel more scared by them in a kind of not comfortable way. Than, like, I mean, I do kind of make horror games. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe there could be a really effective horror game with just, like, weird people in costumes. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure Five Nights at Freddy's is that, but with robots. This is One Life Left at GDC 2015. My name's Steve Curran. Hello, I'm Simon Byron. Are you sure, though? Uh, yeah, me and Alex have just had a chat about this. Really? I said, um... Uh, you know, like all these things, I think um, you, if you sometimes forget someone's name, um, you, fi- you, you can feel embarrassed. I was like, no, it's totally cool. I'm happy with it. Um, you know, I'm pleased to see that other people do it. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Just like that bloke on the end there, whatever he is, whatever name his... <laughs> I made a mistake. Hello, it's Mike Bithell. <laughs> Hello. Mike, thanks for joining us. How far we've come from, uh, well, London. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> 
we should introduce our, our, second, our second guest as well, would you? Hello there. My name is Martin. I'm a sound designer, and I like to work with creepy horror games about small kids. Excellent. Mike, um, it must be um, surreal. I'm putting words in your mouth here. What, what's it like at GDC now? Because um, whilst you, uh, uh, you arrived early, like a good guest, uh, lots of people coming up to uh, you and uh, chatting to you and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it must be a real change from the first time that you came here. Um, so it, I'm a massively egotistical man. So uh, no, no, no. It's weird and nice and a bit scary, to be honest. It's odd. Um, but it's cool, I guess. It's, ni- it's nice that people care. But it's, yeah, it's odd. Is it difficult, though? Because um, again, I saw um, I was keeping an eye on you like I like to. Um, like an eagle. I, people, were, uh, people stopped you to show you their games. Yes. And is, is there a pressure to, you know, because many people, uh, we, we, we see it, I've been inspired by you, people want to become the next Mike Bithell. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend that. It's, it's one in, one out, we tell them. So uh, That's it. We've got a current Mike Bithell. Yep. He's working well as far as we can see. <laughs> Basically, you know, uh, yeah, my time will come. As all Mike Bithells before me, uh, someone will behead me. I mean, it's, 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 it's just nice looking at stuff, but I... I'm not very good, so I don't think they should... I, don't, I try not to give too much advice, because okay. I think that would be um, disingenuous and a bit useless. But it's, uh, it's nice to like say hello. Are you doing a talk here? I'm doing four talks here. <laughs> so from someone who doesn't like to give advice... <laughs> I, yeah, but all my talks are like, like, like about how daft I am. So I did one, I did an animation one, okay. which was basically me going... I stole this book from my girlfriend and that's how I did Thomas Was Alone right. and just kind of explain that um, and talking about that um, I'm doing, I did a panel yesterday I did the indie soapbox and said something very some, I like yeah rambled on for a bit then uh, today I'm doing um, how to be nice to players and then tom- tomorrow's the day where I'm like doing proper like GDC five tips to ensure your blah 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 it's about uh, polish and how to like finish a game because okay. it's not something I think we talk about enough do you get nervous? Some of our guests, uh, particularly yesterday. In fact, like, so first of all, we never have an audience. That's uh, nice having the audience that uh, hey. stays. And, uh, Hello, audience. We all know it's because Hello, Mike, Mike Pithel's here. Um, it's, surreal. it's probably not. It's probably not. It's probably <laughs> some you, of our guests. They're, they're your friends, right? Yeah. They're yeah. There you go. Right. <laughs> How embarrassing for all of us. <laughs> um, That's okay. They can be everyone's friends. They're very nice guys, actually. Oh, hello, nice guys. A nice girl. Hey. Some of the um, some of our guests from uh, yesterday uh, were talking about the stress of doing a GDC talk. Do you is that something you suffer from? Um, well, I've got this whole kind of bumbling Englishman thing going on, which covers up a lot of sins. Uh, so I tend to get away with it. But no, I, I you know you practice and do it in the mirror a few times, and it's fine. Um, but I'm not. And I'm not doing the like. I'm not doing like the hour long one that scares the crap out of me. Maybe one day, but I'm doing like little short ones. Oh, they're whispering. They're conferring. <laughs> show, Martin, your, show you're working. Martin, you were uh, showing uh, Mike a game before uh, I, yeah, I, I, I noticed off, I, I uh, off the stage you were doing something with an iPad. I was one of those guys <laughs> showing a game to Mike. Yes, that is true. What, do you like it or something? We actually have this game called Progress Wears, which I'm just taking around and showing to people. And it's like uh, this puzzle game. Uh, I can send it around. Basically, you play this game and you solve... Like really simple puzzles uh, through kind of different ways of interacting with your tablets. Cara, can you talk us through uh, your first experience with this game? 
so it's uh, basically giving me instructions as to how to touch and interact with like the the tablet. Uh, so it's asked me to put the tablet upside down now and uh, touch and hold. It says so. I, that's what I'm doing. It's uh, and it's the, the screen is scrubbing like black to white and I have to put two fingers on it now and it's scrubbing, scrubbing black to white. Yeah, right. the screen is basically a progress bar and that's why the name is progress too because it's it's all about making progress. I don't understand this one. It says ten but like oh, oh ten fingers. <laughs> okay. Against the clock. What against the clock? All uh, the way, yeah. yeah. So um, what category of games would you say this oh. game fits in the, uh, under, Martin? What kind of games does it fit Yeah, what, how would you define it? I like to think it is metamorph a bit, but without the cool animations and strange figures, but just like basically like a black screen you have to read. <laughs> so metamorph a bit, but not really metamorph a bit. <laughs> it's, it's cool anyways, and it's sort of like a puzzle game, I guess. <laughs> right now she's doing on a horse, and she's basically... <laughs> yeah. Uh, next nice. one is my favorite one. No. Tilt, tilt. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, so when... <laughs> Oh, I see. You're now being asked to put 11 things on a screen. Cara is now sniffing an iPad, <laughs> I believe was the idea. Martin, when, when will, when will the, uh, the rest of us be able to play this game? Uh, it'll be out in a few months, okay. I think. One to two months. Uh, yeah, it's called Progress, and it, we will announce things uh, within a week. We haven't really decided, but it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> it looks like loads, loads of fun. Um, Mike, how's, how's your game coming along? You're almost there, aren't you? Nearly. 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 We're, we're, yeah, like, this is, it's basic, like, the game's done. It's just all the stuff you, we have to do because we're, like, multi-platform console launches, which is tricky, turns out. Right. I've always, I've always had other people do it in the okay. past. It's quite, quite complex, isn't it? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no, um, just, we're just finishing it, really, and getting it through QA and stuff, but it's cool, and people seem to actually like it now. Like, I've spent two years taking it to events and had, like, very polite interviews where people have gone, oh, I see where this is going. Um, but this time, it's actually, like, people seem to be genuinely excited about it. I think we've, I think it's taken us a couple of years, but I think we've actually got something really cool. Hopefully. You've, you've not actually given a release date yet, have you? I have not. Okay, so what, can you give us a release date? Uh, <laughs> yes. No. Wait, you've tricked me. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, well, uh, it's not going to be September the 1st. I'll tell you that much with the Metal Gear Solid announcement. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be avoiding that, but no, I can't say. It'll be this year, definitely. Maybe... Uh, um, that's what they did though because it took them a while to say when the Phantom Pain was coming out and they're like well, yeah, we don't want to be in volumes release window do we but now they've had to go so I, look it was all about who blinked first exactly and, <laughs> and Kojima has you know <laughs> he slipped excellent thank you so much for coming on the show both of you thank you very much <laughs> thanks Welcome back to One Life Left, live at GDC 2015. I'm Cara Ellison, and with me uh, we have uh, Christy Marks. Hello, Christy. Hello there. Um, I am really excited to meet you because I paid, played... To yeah, yeah, okay. Let, Cara, let's rewrite this. Cara. I just... Cara. Right, Cara. Right. right. <laughs> Standards, first of all. Okay. We, there are two guests here. <laughs> Can we introduce a second guest, please? Okay, I'm going to introduce Sarah Brin as well, it's who is okay. also excellent. It's fine. But I'll I just go. got really overexcited. I, I, we could tell, Cara, but come <laughs> on. I have a lot to do. I'm very important. Now, what should we do? Should we talk to Sarah for an hour first, just so that Cara can't get going? I, we can share. We can share this time slot. We can share this radio show. We can have a good time. 
<laughs> well, Sarah, are you... Uh, we all know that you're just, uh, it's just okay. paying lip it's service okay. to Sarah. I know what Sarah. you're trying to do, and I appreciate it, but it's unnecessary. <laughs> Did you ever play uh, Tales of the Crystals when you No, were... I, I haven't. <laughs> Tell you... me all about it and why you like it. Okay. It's like a game for girls, a board game for girls. Only girls. That has, it's based on like audio tapes. And that sounds you, wonderful. Yeah, and it's like about collection, collection, and yeah, it, and it's. I, it actually wasn't a board game so much. Yeah, uh, the con- the conceit behind it was actually more like live role playing game, and Milton Bradley came to me to write the audio tracks, interactive audio tracks, and basically we would set up a situation. And then the little girls would take all of these various props and objects that came in the box with the audio tapes and would create up their own playground in their room or their house or whatever and, yeah. and act out these adventures. It's like really strange because I feel like that kind of thing doesn't so much exist anymore. There's still like a really amazing sort of vibrant like pen and paper kind of thing going on these days. But there isn't so much in the way of like aiming it to get young girls participating, I guess. And I, I kind of remember that kind of fondly as like being something where we would all sort of get together and we knew that it was for girls and that we knew that we could spend time playing a game rather than anything else and it was just kind of special like for me to remember kind of playing that sort of thing. So. It, it was unusual and it was during a period of time where there was a lot of experimentation with toy companies were experimenting with interactive experiences yeah. with, the, with the kids and that was one particular attempt. Cool. Christy, you're uh, speaking at GDC, aren't you? You're speaking. I, I spoke yesterday. Okay, and uh, what, what were you talking about? So I was doing a talk on uh, lessons learned on doing narrative for mobile. I worked on uh, Castleville Legends for a year and a half, designing and doing all the narrative, all the writing. And it was my first mobile game, and it was also the first Invest and Express game in mobile for Zynga. And so we basically were learning as we went, <laughs> you know, there we didn't have a lot of experience, and I had never... I'd, I've written for just about every other kind of game in existence, from MMO to console to PC to, to Facebook and so forth, but mobile is its own unique animal. What, what are the main differences uh, when you're writing for mobile? Well, you think about the fact that you're talking about a little tiny device, mm-hmm. so you actually have the physical limitation if, if you have text on the screen there is the physical limitation of that text that is readable on that screen. And so basically what you end up with is trying to tell a story using text that's shorter than a tweet. And so that you have to come up with narrative constructs that will work for you, like accumulative storytelling, like breadcrumbing. You know, breadcrumbing your story through a, a number of different quests so that it all adds up to something bigger at the end. And, and being repetitive, making sure that you repeat the information enough so that players who have are usually having a very distracted game-playing experience. You know, like, where are you when you're playing a mobile game most of the time? You tend to be pretty distracted, have other things going on in the environment. So how well are you going to absorb that piece of story? And I figure you probably have to give that piece of story to the player at least 10 times <laughs> you know, before they are really going to absorb it. Do you think you have to change the nature of the story you tell through mobile games as well, or is it just the way you plot it and pace it? Uh, yeah, I think it's both, because I don't think that mobile really allows you to do anything that's too complex. 
it's, it's hard to be nuanced. It's hard to be complex because of, of just the limitation of the format that you're working with. As you were working on this game, like, do you foresee us ever getting to a point where we can tell more nuanced and complex stories through these formats, or do you think it's a natural limitation of the hardware? I don't think it's necessarily a natural limitation, but I think it, it's a limitation because of the kind of games that are currently being developed for mobile, and I think if you wanted to do a much more story-driven game, that would have to be the point of the game. That would really have to be the focus of the design. Sarah, this is, um, is this your third or fourth time on One Life Left at GDC? This is true. Which, which one? Third or fourth? Oh, this is my fourth. Fourth time. Yeah. Um, things have changed quite a lot for you in the last year, though, haven't they? I suppose they have. So why don't you tell our listeners who've been following your story closely what's new for Sarah Brin? Well, most importantly, I'm glad I'm not so scared this time <laughs> to be on the radio show. Uh, but since, since our last episode... I've moved to the Bay Area. I have a zany job with a fabrication studio at a for a software company, and I started a or I co-started a game design residency at the San Francisco MoMA that we're really excited that just got announced yesterday. Okay, t- tell us more about that. Well, what we're going to do is well, first of all, this is grounded in the idea that unfortunately most games meant to help people learn in museums are bad. And they're bad for lots of reasons. And there are some really, really um, great exceptions to the rule. Like, I think Tate Trumps was a wonderful, wonderful game for a museum. Um, But I think for the most part, uh, a lot of games in museums are lacking. um, Primarily because they're not especially fun. So, uh, and also there's this whole idea that, you know, video games are art now. We're kind of over that uh, Roger Ebert discussion. um, And people are more interested in games as a, a merging curatorial and art historical field. So what this residency is supposed to do is supposed to fuse those two things. So games that are artwork and are meant to deepen engagement with other types of artwork within the museum. So it's going to be a huge experiment. Have you seen anything expiring in that kind of vein um, here at GDC? Oh, I got here 15 minutes ago. Oh, really? (laughs) So are you excited to go around the IGF pavilion and and have a look at that sort of stuff? Or... I, yes, yes. <laughs> Confident, yes. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I almost didn't come to GDC this year. I, I'm a little tired. I, frankly, I was pretty excited to be doing work for the first time in years that had nothing to do with video games. Um, so, in, in some ways, like it's a lovely homecoming to come back and see all these people I love, and I love video games as a medium. But it's also like, oh. This nonsense. Like, I'm looking at, like, 500 dudes right now. Hey, dudes. You're, you're okay. You're doing good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I have, I have really mixed feelings about being here. It, it's, as you know, it's been a rough year. Yeah, it has been pretty rough. And also, um, I guess, I guess to, to a certain extent, like, GDC is changing and becoming much bigger. And, like, and every time I come back, I know more people, and it gets more overwhelming. And, like, and because like, you want to say hi to everyone, it gets very exhausting all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, it, there's a lot of familiar faces, but it's also very overwhelming. So, yeah, yeah I can yeah. understand but that. But that, that being said, there have been some really great games that have come out in the past year, and there are certainly games that I'm rooting for tonight to win some awards. And yeah. I'm, I'm excited to return to my roots. Are you root- rooting for anything tonight? The so Outer Wilds. Nights or wilds. Yeah. Okay. Um, Tell us about that. What, what do you like about it? I'm a USC person, and so it's a USC game. Uh, it's it's. I think that there's just some really beautiful world building there, and um, it's it's just a, a beautiful game. It's a beautiful idea, um, and I 
love my friends who are the team behind it. So it'll be good. What are you excited about? Well, I'm excited about Dinewell, uh, which has just been on the screen, um, because I went to Japan this, uh, last year, and I kind of stumbled uh, on this one game at uh, Tokyo Indies uh, meeting, and uh, Ojiro Fumoto is this uh, really amazing young kid, really, who uh, just started making games in Game Maker maybe in March last year, and by November he had this beautiful mobile game that was basically kind of like Spelunky but vertical cool. and it was for pure, purely for mobile and he just he just picked up Game Maker in March of last wow. year and by November he had a game that Devolver had fronted a lot of money for wow. so I mean he's a pretty amazing kid he's here for the first time uh, over in San Francisco at GDC and like I super hope he's having a, a great time because like he's like really amazing he was doing um, an opera singing degree Wow. And uh, he just decided one day he was going to make a game. That's very fancy. I mean, this kid is, like, amazing. I love him. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much for coming on the show, both of you. Oh, uh, sure. Enjoy the rest of GDC. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you later. Approaching the very end of our second show at GDC 2015, we're One Life Left, we're a video game radio show, normally we broadcast out of London. I wasn't sure if you'd actually started this segment then, you seemed so natural. <laughs> it's true, I was like, oh, okay, well, are we going we, we to do a proper start? Uh, it looks like we're, we're, we're well on our way to the final section. Uh, we've been joined by another guest, hello, would you mind introducing yourself? Uh, my name is Reiner. I work at CCP Games. I've been there for about two and a half years. And I specifically work on EVE Online. Hello, Ryan. Thank you for coming on. Um, it wouldn't be GDC without a guest from CCP, would happens it? happens every year. And every year we angle to get invited to Iceland. And it <laughs> never works out. So let's see how it goes today. Yeah. You know, just basically, we want to come to uh, the EVE Online Fest. Is it Fan Fest? I think yes, it's called. Yeah. Yes. Um, we... I, <laughs> I'm conscious that we've been quite subtle about that previously, <laughs> so we're just saying this up front now. That, um, just so there's no misunderstanding, we would like to go. <laughs> okay. um, so, do you know who organises the invite list for FanFest? I do know, yes. Okay, who is it? Well, his name is generally Ned. Okay, and do you have an email address? I do. Great. And, I can probably um, what give that sort to you of, later. <laughs> what sort of wine does he like? <laughs> Is he a fan of chocolates, flowers? I actually don't know. Does he have a best he, friend? The, the, problem with, the problem with him is he sits in our Atlanta office, and I'm in Iceland, so I, I don't know how to get him drunk. Um, I was in Iceland three weeks ago. I've got some news for you. Wait, um, you were in Iceland and you didn't show up? You didn't exactly, come by? Yeah. I thought we were friends here. Um, uh, you know that they advertise the, the Sony Xperia Z3 compact phone as waterproof. Okay. Turns out it's not Blue Lagoon proof. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was taking some pictures uh, of myself in the Blue Lagoon, uh, which, which, you know, uh, rightly or wrongly, will never see the light of day now. Because, <laughs> um, how are you? What do you do at CCP then? Uh, so I'm a technical designer. So I do a bit of des- game design and a bit of programming. Excellent. And uh, what have you been doing specifically at GDC? You, you, have you been doing a talk? I am, yes. I have a presentation tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. What's it about? Uh, it is titled The Benefits and Challenges of Supporting Third-Party Developers in Video Games. Crikey. Generally speaking, uh, I, I, at CCP, we tend to uh, encourage um, our community to create applications for our game. Uh, and my talks sort of about supporting them and what we do to support them and why it's good. 
there's been a lot of talk uh, over the last year about the video games community and, you know... Um, sort it's of, awesome. It, well, Eve seems to be. It seems to attract a different sort of player. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I know we're a niche game and we're definitely not for everybody, but the community we have is very dedicated and very awesome. Um, I don't know exactly what part of our game it is that, you know, brings in those people, but uh, I hope we do more of it. I think the thing that most interests me about it is that is the war reporting. The people who go into the game specifically to do the job of a war reporter, essentially like witnessing what's happening in huge space battles, yes. and then like taking screenshots and uh, reporting back on like what's happening. And, and I don't know, it just seems like the most amazing thing, but then I guess obviously the hazard is that they, their ship might get shot down in the middle of it. It's a hazard, but I mean, what's, what's kind of really cool about it is that we have there's, you know, multiple websites that are, you know, trying to be the news website for EVE, and then you know, they're always getting blamed for being biased or that kind of thing, so it's, it's really fun to watch, because I mean, you, you know, you look at news uh, channels in real life, and it's like Fox is too biased, or whatever, right? And then we get the same thing in our game. So it's, it's fun to watch that kind of thing. That's pretty amazing. Are there any like really famous EVE Online war reporters? Does everyone know this one guy? Or? I, I, uh, I don't know if there's any specific like uh, war reporters. There are some people that are pretty famous for the, the news articles that they write about our game kind of thing. But okay. um, I think they're more well known for other things in our game. It's sort of another thing they do. Right. Okay. Uh, so. so it's like more that everyone is kind of all-rounding everything in general. I guess so. Okay. Cool. So, Reiner, are you nervous for your talk? Sorry, pardon? Are you nervous for your talk? I'm surprisingly not. I thought I'd be, like, really pissing myself, but I'm, I'm pretty calm, actually, so it's good. You seem very calm and collected. I gotta ask, like, when you talk about reaching out to the community, what, what, is, like your, what is your dream third-party application for EVE? Like, what do you want to see them build for you when you go to this talk? To be honest, they, they've built kind of the perfect and exactly the kind of stuff I want based on what we've given them. Um, the main thing holding them back is us giving them more stuff. And, and uh, so if, if I think more about what I want them to do and what I can do to support that, the, the greatest end goal is um, basically our, our game on the phone right? where you can send mails and chat and you know, do all that kind of not flying around in space stuff on your phone. That would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I feel like, uh, let me know if you agree, like our, our industry is kind of moving more towards embracing user-generated content, like yes. getting the fans to make oh, actual please, game yes. mods. Well, so I, like, I wonder how you guys think about that. You know, Valve recently said they're going to, they, like, they recently announced Source 2, and they're making a big push and saying that we're going to put this game engine in the hands not just of developers, but of content creators, and by that they mean players that are making hats yeah. or whatever. Um, so as you open up EVE and work to make it more accessible to the community, what kind of, like, risks and challenges, like, what do you worry about? Like, is there any downside to that? Is there, has it caused trouble? Is there something you're hoping to get out of it in the long run? So, for us, uh, one of the key things that we always try and keep in mind when we're uh, bringing the community into this kind of thing is we don't want people to be forced to go and get this stuff just to be competitive in our game, right? So we want, we want these things to be powerful and, and do a lot of cool stuff, but we don't ever want them to be a requirement just to play our game and be competitive. So that's one of uh, the biggest things we're always trying to balance when we, when we do this kind of stuff. Um, so. Excellent. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll see you at FanFest then, yeah? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's contractual. I, I can no. totally say yes, and you can totally hold it to me. I'm the kind... Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs>
Uh, um, now, we've just been joined by our final, final guest. Final, final guest. Do you mind introducing yourself? Thanks. Uh, sorry, I'm running late. No, no <laughs> problem. We're really, really glad that you could come. Uh, please, uh, please explain who you are. And, uh, yeah, to, I'm, to uh, I'm Drew Murray. I'm a game director at Insomniac Games, uh, mostly, most recently shipping uh, Sunset Overdark. Uh, and why were you late? <laughs> what? Well, why were you late? Why were you late here? Oh, I was, uh, I was actually over at um, uh, doing another podcast. <laughs> <gasps> were you? Interesting. Well, welcome to this. This is the official GDC podcast. Um, so how are things at Insomniac? Uh, things are great. Things are great. You know, we uh, finished up Sunset Overdrive and shipped that in, in, in October. But uh, I think actually Friday, we we're finishing up the, the second, second DLC, which wow. comes out appropriately on, on April Fool's Day. Excellent. And uh, working as well on, on a remastered version of Ratchet uh, that will be coming out with the Ratchet movie at, at some future unknown date at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah, just, just keeping busy uh, with Sunset Overdrive and, and Ratchet right now. Right. And are you, are you doing any uh, presentations here? Or, or are you here to learn yourself? <laughs> uh, I, I am. I'm, I'm presenting to, tomorrow at 5.30, uh, talking about, the, about directing uh, Sunset Overdrive and the, the challenges we had, I think. Marcus uh, Smith, the creative director, and I spent a year, year and a half talking. We're very similar. People are the same age. We grew up in, in similar backgrounds. And uh, we knew ex- exactly what we were talking about. But when we had to explain it to, to other people, sort of getting that, 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 that year of, of information and, and knowledge into a 30-second elevator pitch uh, was, did not go well for us okay. uh, at all. And uh, it took a long time to get people to, to understand what, what we were wanting to do and get them into a, a, a headspace that, that everyone felt like they, they understood where we even wanted to go. And so I'm just talking about some of the, the different techniques and tools we tried to use. Um, everything from, from having a movie night to try to build like a common vernacular of, yeah, when we're talking about humor, we mean the, like the kind of humor from, from the young ones, the old BBC yeah, yeah. comedy, or uh, when we talk about we want the, the survivor factions to sort of be these absurd exaggerations. We, we watched The Warriors, the old 70s gangsploitation film, and it's like, 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 ignore everything else, but look at how ridiculous the different gangs are, and, and, and remember that when we're trying to come up with ideas for factions, and all, of, all kinds of other things. We, we uh, would assign out rock and roll and, and rap songs to the pre-production team, and uh, a week later we would have them pitch a mission, either based on the lyrics or how that song made them feel. And it was, it was a lot of fun. We would encourage, you know, like, like physical comedy and bad voice acting and ridiculous visual aids were all very much encouraged. We'd give a, a, an old blacklight poster as a, as a reward to the, the person who did the, the best one. And, um, is, that, is that how you've always worked, or was it no, just particular to something? No, right? okay. no we, were, we, were, you know, we were really trying to figure out ways to, to break, um, break not just the design team, but the whole team sort of out of the way that they, they, they think about games. And, um, and also... You know, it, you know, we we did we didn't really have a great reference point. It wasn't like we could be like, well, it's it's basically like The Walking Dead, but but plus this. It was it was well, it's a little this, a little that, and uh, and so doing these pitches after after each pitch, Marcus and I would would sort of analyze them in front of in front of the whole team, and doing those it allowed us to both figure out, okay, what exactly are the boundaries of the box we're trying to create? And there were time, there were times in the meetings that Marcus and I would disagree, right. and so the, the team would watch us like have this debate over does this fit or not fit, and so I think it, it allowed everyone to get a uh, uh, have a voice in, in what 
kinds of things might be in the game, and then also allowed us to like really clearly define, okay, that, that is the, the toilet humor is not the kind of humor we're going for, or no, that, that, that is absurd, but that's not too absurd. That's okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing to, tr um, to, to um, export humor is, isn't it? So yeah, humor's really, really hard. I don't know that... I learned a couple of lessons. I don't know that I would ever pitch an original IP with humor at this center <laughs> yeah. of the gen. It is really, really... There's so much of it is body language and... The, the just exact timing of delivery and that kind of, especially when you have like multiple characters interacting uh -huh. with you, it's just, it's so incredible. It's so difficult to do in live performance, much much less whenever you're trying to get like animators and voice actors and all these different people to, to interact and get facial expressions and all that kind of stuff. It's tough. And with this, were there, um, have you got any examples of things that you had to sort of tweak or change because you realized that they were, I don't know. It's... Um, what kind of things did we tweak or change? Um, yeah, you know, we, we uh, at some point we really had to soften up um, the character a little bit. I think he was coming off. I, I think I think even where he where he ended up, I know that there were some criticisms of um, him being a little bit a little snarky and okay. a little not quite uh, not quite warm enough. And he was actually even even colder at, at start. Like I like. Uh, yeah, just kind of very set off. And okay. I think we, we tried to warm him up and bring him in. Um, we definitely worked on uh, his relationship with the factions. Again, I think at first people were like, it just feels like he's using these groups rather than, than getting what he needs, but also like helping them and developing as a character. And so, um, and so yeah, so, so changes like that. And then mechanically, we... we where we started and where we ended up were just vastly different. Like, you know, we, we've got all this acrobatic traversal that really is the core of the game, and that was not in the original idea right. at all. Um, that was really a, a passion project of a particular designer who Marcus and I were like, yeah, this, that's not what we're wanting to do, but if you really care about it, we'll give you like two or three days to work on it. And came back and like, yeah, we're still not feeling it, but we can tell you're really into it, so we'll give you a couple more days. And couple months later he was still working on it and and finally one day it just it clicked and it's like oh yeah like we've been talking about all this velocity and aggressiveness and our game doesn't feel like that at all but the stuff that Cameron is working on totally feels like that mm -hmm. that's the way the game's going to be now excellent uh, well it sounds absolutely fascinating good luck with the talk tomorrow um uh once you've done that how do you how do you uh how do you spend the, the rest of your gdc uh, at that point, hopefully, I'll, I'll actually get to enjoy myself and, and go, go, see, go see a few sessions. I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like every, every moment I have, I should be preparing uh, right now. And so I went and, I went and saw one, one thing today. Okay. I went and saw a few things yesterday with the eSports the e uh, Summit, which is something I know nothing about, right. but, but was, am interested in learning about. So, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure I'll get really drunk. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule then. Good luck with it tomorrow. Thank you and, very uh, much for yeah, having me. Brilliant having you on the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. Welcome back to uh, One Life Left Live from the show floor. Um, that's about it, I think, gang. Cara, uh, did you have a good time? I had a really good time. I, uh, I had, you know, like I had a pastry beforehand, and I've basically been enjoying that for an hour and a half. So. You lost it a bit, didn't you? Did I, lose it a bit. I, yeah. we, we can talk about that now yeah. because it's been it's 20 minutes ago, so she's, she's distant. I just, yeah. That was nice. It was nice I to see you so now. excited. Sorry? It was yeah. nice to see you so excited. Because you were fucking miserable yesterday. <laughs> I was not. I mean, you were. 
like texting. Yeah, exactly, on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Alex, did you have a good time? Thank you so much for joining in. I had a fantastic time. Simon Byron, <laughs> thanks for having me. Great. Uh, yeah, went well. Thanks, Steve. Uh, thanks, Simon. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, we've been one life left. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>